Welcome back to another episode of the Balcony Chatter Podcast. I am your host, Andrew McKenney, with my co-host, Tim Taylor, as always. And this week, we are talking Bruins. We're talking Celtics later on, but we have, obviously, the Bruins playoffs going right now. Um, We'll get into that a little bit here. But we also have a guest on with us today. Uh, I guess you could say media personality, uh, writer, podcaster, um, a man of many talents. Uh, we are joined by Jake Reiser today uh, to talk some Bruins. Making me feel like a jack of all trades, guys. Nice <laughs> to be on. <laughs> we appreciate you coming on to, to kind of give us your thoughts on this. So it's not just the two of us like usual. It's good to get some other opinions in here and that way other people can kind of stop listening to us 24-7. <laughs> I feel you, you know, I, a lot of the times it's myself just sitting, just yammering on, especially I do um, little five, 10 minute recaps after every game. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm screaming into the void and anybody listening. So <laughs> I'm glad to be able to help you guys out tonight. Yeah. So that's kind of the difference between what we do and what you do for people who are listening is that uh, Jake does an after or a post game recap of every Bruins game, correct? Every Bruins game. Yep, every Bruins game. Yeah, so if you guys want to hear something like that, um, it's I, I love it because it's kind of like easy to digest. It's it's a shorter uh, episode, but it gives you a lot of you know useful information, especially if you weren't able to watch the game or maybe you just listen on the radio. It kind of gives you a little bit better perspective on what happened in that game. So definitely check that out and uh, keep an eye out for those after every game. I appreciate it. Look, I'm not there to give you guys the bull by blow. I hope people watch these highlight videos that everybody does. I'm there to kind of tell you what it was like to watch the game if you didn't get to watch. Because you can see all the goals in a highlight package, but you don't necessarily get the feel of like, sure. oh, it was a really chippy game. There was this scrum that happened. NHL videos like to wash out lots of fights or penalties that happen. So I try and give you what you missed by not watching the game, even though you might watch the little highlights. Well, there you go, because that's useful information to have if you weren't able to catch it. So, um, But anyways, let's get into the playoff picture here, because we are, as Bruins fans, the three of us, sitting sitting pretty pretty good right now, pretty happy, I would I would imagine, with where we're at in this series. Uh, we're up against the Panthers 3-1, to one, and coming back to Boston to hopefully close it out. Um, Tim, how are you feeling about where we are and this game coming up um <clears throat> you know really was feeling a little bit question marky you know felt like we should still be able to handle florida on the road but like not having patrice for all of that and you know maybe thank god in the sense that if it is this like sickness that caused like other players to lose a lot of pounds or whatever the case may be. Let's not spread that. But now we get Patrice Bergeron back for game five. I'm, I feel like I'm floaty. Yeah, I'm ready. It, Let's it, go. I feel like it was, I mean, at this point we are pretty well aware that it's injury related and not sickness related at this point. Right. Yeah. It it's, like it. it's pretty yeah. much injury related at this point. And I know there were rumors floating around that the whole reason that Patrice played in Montreal game 82 is his dad is really sick and it might be one of the last times his dad can see him in person. So I completely get why Bergie played in Montreal as unfortunate as it has been for the first couple of games of the playoffs. But 
definitely injury related, not Ill, not illness anymore. Yeah, man. If that's the real reason, then there is absolutely nothing that anybody can be upset about. I, I mean, that's that's a situation where you know this is a thing that you could potentially never get to do again. And we, you know, I hate to say this, but because it sounds very, you know, cocky as Boston fans, but I was not worried about the Panthers going into the series. Now, this series is not over. I'm not acting like tomorrow is a, is a given um, because we've seen what the Panthers can do. I just find it very hard to believe that they're going to be able to dig out of this hole. But, you know, I think that that probably also had a lot to do with the first going into the first round if we were a little bit banged up or not because i think i i wasn't that worried about playing against them i was more worried about having to play against you know the teams that we may have to face down the road should we make it that far so i i I know that people are still upset that he got injured in the last game if that was when it happened or how it happened but you know there are some things that are bigger than the game and i think that's probably one of them I thought his dad was Milt Schmidt. <laughs> no. Andrew, have you told Jake that that uh No, I haven't. Story? <laughs> Quick tangent? Go for it. You did it. You were there. What I do? Didn't you say uh didn't Bergeron come out with somebody in a pregame and someone behind you goes, "Is that his dad?" Oh, that was uh that was that was Johnny Busick. Johnny Busick. Oh, so he came out for the thousand, you know. Someone sitting behind Andrew in his seats goes, Is that his dad? It's like he I, I understand like not being the diehard fans that we are or not knowing the history of the team. That's completely fine. But I mean you're you're literally talking about a Bruins legend. Two Bruins legends, I guess you could consider Bergeron, but we're talking about a Bruins legend coming out on the ice and people are like, Is that his dad? It, it, that's that's got to be his dad, right? It's like I I didn't have the heart to say anything. I just I just let it slide. I just let it go. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm you know I, you can't be mad at him for playing in front of his father like that. I think that's a beautiful thing that he did. Um, and you know we we worry about the you know much less on a much smaller scale, but you know important to us. You know we worry about how many games. Patrice Bergeron plays in Montreal in a spoke to be anymore uh, going forward. Uh, so I'm happy he was able to do that. But, uh, you know, we're talking about the guy who last time we won the president's trophy played with a pierced lung from his own broken rib in the end. So I think a few games rest, no matter what condition he is. I'm very excited. I'm ready to get him back in the mix or next round. I can chill at this point. 3 1, what's the rush? I'm glad you say and that. And you know, one of the things that I think has almost been a great surprise with both Bergeron and Krejci out is the big test of Don Sweeney's roster building that you don't know how many games Bergeron or Krejci are going to play in general, whether they're going to retire, how many years they've got left, exactly. what's the depth of this roster. And so to see guys like Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle step up and play huge minutes and contribute not just effectively but efficiently, it's been really great to watch the last couple of games. Well, I think that that's good, too, that you bring that up because, I mean, you're essentially, you know, give or take a a, a few guys here and there, you're essentially seeing your future team playing right now. You know, you have Coyle and you have Zaka. Those are sort of your centers of the future as far as, like, who you're really going to rely on heavily moving forward after Bergeron, after Krejci. Um, 
So I think that this kind of gives you a glimpse into what you're going to see. And I hope, you know, we've been saying this since day one. We've been saying this since before Bertuzzi was even on the Bruins, that we wish he was a Bruin. You know, I hope he's one of those guys that they somehow are able to re-sign because that guy was made, he, he was born to be a Bruin. Um, so seeing the team that we're seeing now with the depth and what they're able to do against this Panthers team who is trying everything they can to injure and beat the hell out of us on the ice, it's it's actually a good it kind of makes me a little bit more or a little bit less concerned about our future in the potential rebuild that we may have to go through once a couple of these guys are done. Frankly, it's going to be more of a retool than a rebuild. If anything, if you're looking at how strong Pavel Zaka's played the career year that he had in his first year in Boston, if he can just continue to improve on that, obviously what I think needs to happen is different from what Don needs thinks needs to happen i think they still need another center i'm sure most people think that too but maybe not necessarily to the level that everybody's thinking they need a franchise center because they've got their franchise winger in david posternock yep that posternock bertuzzi zaka line is phenomenal and i frankly don't want to see that broken up for a while me either well let me shout out to tyler bertuzzi shout out tyler bertuzzi all day like good Good lord. Six points in his first four playoff games in his career. Is that good? Is is that good? <laughs> I'm I th- it feels it feels good. I don't know. Tim, I feel like we talk about this every week, so I'm gonna ask the both of you. Uh say the season was to end today. Do you do both of you have Don Sweeney winning GM of the year? Listen, it's it's the greatest. Don Sweeney GM year of my lifetime. <laughs> and so if he doesn't get the award, I don't care. As as Jake just mentioned, not only did he uh, change from a rebuild to a retool, he just did that in this past year. And so like, he's already like taking, it's just taking steps that I, it didn't really feel like he was taking just a year and a half ago. Yeah. And to have this team where it's at now, maybe even outside of this season, which again is perfect aside from a blemish that we talk about all the time, which was just a random thing that happened very early on in the season and was then fixed. But other than that, it's a perfect year for me. (laughs) So it'd be great for him to win that trophy. But like, I'm just eternally grateful for, we just watched the best, the most winningest regular season hockey team of all time. Yeah. It's got to be. But I think that's also a product of what he's done over the last couple of years, too. You know, he made that coil trade in 2019 along with Marcus Johansson to try and win the cup. Lindholm came last year, and what a rock has he been on the defensive side of things, especially early in the year when they didn't have McAvoy um, after that offseason surgery. So while I would argue totally, I think that this year's trade deadline was beyond effective. Look at what everyone um, he acquired has done in the playoffs so far. I think it's two goals and four assists for Burt so far, five assists for Dmitry Orlov, and... I believe Garnet Hathaway leads the forward core in hits um, over the course of the playoffs so far. It's everything has been beyond effective. So I would expect to see him to win. The only person that maybe gives him a run for his money is a guy like Chris Jury from the Rangers, who I don't know how he pulled off the both the Vladimir Tarasenko and the Patrick Kane trades. Granted, with Kane, he had leverage on Chicago. I'm talking more so cap-wise how they made that fit. 
and they added Tyler Mott too, and they're in probably just as competitive a division as we are with how Carolina and New Jersey did. So yeah. if it's not Don, that's my only other competitor, but I definitely see Sweeney's kind of taking the glory with this one. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he sort of went above and beyond. Obviously, we had a great team before the deadline. Adding the pieces that he did add really puts us above where we wanted to be, and he did everything possible to sort of give us a chance to win it all. And there's really nothing that you can fault him for. It's basically up to the team at this point to do what they need to do in order to go all the way. Are either of you ner- are So say we can make it past this round, although we still have one game, which it means that there's still a long way to go. Um, what team are you most nervous to play against? Because I've been watching a lot of these other games, and there are definitely teams that I feel are significantly more... I, I wouldn't want to match up with them. Rather than, you know, obviously the Islanders, they're not going to beat Carolina, it doesn't seem like, but I would rather play them than Carolina. They're, you know, any teams in the East that you know that we're going to have to go through if we want to go to the Cup that you'd be afraid of playing? To me, it's honestly the next round. is yeah. whether you play Toronto or Tampa, who's been kind of, one, you have your num- their number, but they really revamped their team at the trade deadline and have been pushing it and are for once really the favorites to come out of that round or a team that in the playoffs has historically had your number luck at the bubble a goaltender who can somehow turn it on and has won multiple Vezinas can be Vezina quality when he wants to those are the two teams that scare me the most in Toronto and Tampa if you can get through them Carolina you know if it's going to be Carolina in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're hurt. You know, no Svechnikov. Uh, Tevo Teravainen broke his hand a couple of games ago and is out indefinitely. So they are very battered and make them not necessarily an easier target, but they're not as deep as they were when we played them the last couple of games. If it's New Jersey, you know, New Jersey's playing carefree hockey and is having fun, and they're still getting slammed by the devil or by the New York Rangers. And if it's the Rangers, you know, as someone who actually lives closer to New York than to Boston, I see a lot of the Rangers, and they can be on at times, and they can be really scary. But then there are nights where literally their entire top six just doesn't even show up to the rink. So yeah. as far as consistency one and, two this and history, I'd say Toronto and Tampa are my hardest. Jake, were you afraid of uh, Carolina before they got as banged up in this series? Like, were you glad we the we drew the Panthers? I think that the Sveshnikov injury um, in the regular season kind of took their expectations down for me. Yeah, the Pugliarvi and the Goth Despair acquisitions were pretty good for them, but um, I actually kind of considered them one of my trade deadline losers as um, their GM had kind of gone around town and we're going to make a big splash. You know, we're going to really solidify ourselves as um, one of the teams to beat. And I don't think they necessarily did that with their move. So, yeah, of course, losing Taravine and now kind of drops my expectations for them even more. But, you know, it was Svechnikov getting hurt that said, maybe it's not their year just yet. Svechnikov, not only is he one of their hearts of their team, he's such a passionate guy. He's one of their top scorers, you know, the Michigan. He scores in every which way possible, so... You know, their goaltending situation also doesn't worry me too much. 
Freddie Anderson is hurt again, apparently. And Auntie Ranta can go hot and cold. Granted, we just went against a very hot and cold goaltending duo in Alex Lyon and Sergei Bobrovsky. So, I don't know. Carolina can scare me, but they're not as scary as they were when we played them, say, November or December. Yeah. You might know this because I, I didn't actually follow up on it, but after watching the, the last Tampa-Toronto game, do you know if Braden Point is out? Uh, Brandon Point is taking warm-ups tonight, okay, so, so he is apparently good to go. Because that, I mean, of course, that Tampa Bay team is extremely deep. They are stacked. They have plenty of playoff experience. But losing a guy like Brayden Point makes them a lot less scary, you know, as as a potential matchup. And it should be a lot less scary for Toronto, too. But, again, I mean, the team is so deep that it's not going to be a deal-breaker. They've made it to the finals without him before. But, I mean, that was a pretty nasty-looking hit, whether it was – Legal or not, uh, it was pretty gra- like it, w- it was pretty extreme that hit. So I was definitely concerned about whether or not he was playing. I definitely think there's a theme this playoff so far of aggressive hits and the officiating on them, and just the sheer inconsistency from the league to have some standardized penalty call on a cross check or a boarding, or an interference, or hits to the head. There just seems to be no standard amongst any of the referees right now. Yeah, it's pretty all over the place, and it's kind of worrisome, too, because there's been a lot of things that are going unseen that are potential injury plays, and you know, players are taking liberties because they think that they're going to get away with it, and sometimes they do. So, um, But to, to kind of circle back and bring it back to the Bruins a little bit, speaking of hits, I mean... Charlie McAvoy has been a, a absolute train out there. Like he has stepped up his physical game this year, but in this in this playoff series, I mean, he is proving a point that he is a guy that you can rely heavily on as far as setting the tone and as far as like sticking up for his teammates and doing whatever it takes to get the team rallied. Um, there's been some absolutely big hits from Charlie McAvoy in this series. And I'm loving it. I mean, this is exactly what we've been missing in the playoffs for a couple of years now. And getting Hathaway, getting Bertuzzi, getting some of these guys that can actually hit and that can actually, you know, be tough. It goes a long way. I mean, you you guys saw what happened with Kachuk at the end of the last game. The whole entire team went crazy. I mean, there were many years in the playoffs where that would have never happened. It would have kind of just been like, well, we'll just take take the hits and eventually get injured, and then the next team that we play against will take liberties against us as well and injure our players, and then we limp through the playoffs and end up not getting where we want to be. But this team does not back down to anybody at this point, and I think that's exactly what we've been needing for a long time. You know, I went to uh, college with Charlie, actually. He and I are both Terrier alums. We overlapped for I think two years of his, I think he only went to B for two years, but we definitely overlapped at BU together while I was covering that team. And I knew him as this freight train, this Mack truck of a guy (laughs) who would level opponents in college. And so for him to translate that to the league, I think he leads the team in hits in in the postseason so far. It's definitely been incredible to watch and to see the offensive side of him kind of start to show finally. He has more of a shot-first mentality, so I've been really excited to watch Mac play this whole year. And as far as Kachuk goes, you know, I actually had a great conversation about this with a friend of mine today. 
it reminds me a lot of early career Brad Marchand, where he's one of your best scorers. He was the best scorer for Florida this year, but he's also a pest and he's there to get under your skin. But he has to learn to do it in a different way. Otherwise, someone's elbow is going to go whoops right into his head, not unintentionally at some point, because there's definitely a line between being a pest and being a rat and just being outright dirty. And we've seen, we've been the beneficiaries of it as Bruins fans of a couple of times, a guy who's a rat, who's a pest, who takes it over the line, who gets the Dops Wheel of Fortune spun against him, and then we take advantage of it. I'm talking about Nazem Kadri. What was it, twice or three times that he got suspended in round ones against us when he was a member of the Maple Leafs yep. and was out for the rest of the series and we'd go on to win in seven? At least two. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Yeah. He's leaning kind of Tom Wilson to me. That's a great comparison. I mean, the the thing is, this this kid has it all. Like he has the skill, and he has that edge to his game, and he is exactly the type of player that you love to hate if he's not on your team, and you want him on your team, and if he's on your team, you love him. But I, I mean, at some point, which you've seen with Martian over the last handful of years, you have to let the skill talk for you. You know, you could be that pest and you can get under people's skin and you can get in fights, you can get penalty minutes, and that's all well and good. But if you're hurting the team because you're being tossed for 10 minutes or you're getting four penalties a game when you are one of the best players, if not the best player on that team, then at some point, regardless of what the people on the other the other players think of you, your team is going to start getting frustrated with that situation. Yeah. So I love, I love Kachuk's game, I will say, like, I think that that is something that's missing from the game these days is not the dirtiness of what he's doing, like the Hathaway hit or, you know, some of the other things. But I love the edge that he plays with. I just, you know, we've said the same thing about Tom Wilson, too. It's like, I hate him. What do you guys think about the discipline, though? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that that, to me, that's nothing. $5,000 is not even a little bit lighter in that guy's wallet. So, yeah. But what are they going to do? Suspend an all-star player for a game? I I doubt it. No, I think that's too much too. Yeah, and yeah. also Hathaway came right back to play and played the rest yeah. of the game. I think that's to me the big difference between getting a five thousand dollar fine and getting the one game suspension. If Hathaway's out for the rest of the game, then maybe Dops goes, "Yeah, he sat that game. Maybe you should sit the next one." Right. Well, I think I also think that it has a lot to do with. You know, Kachuk was like, oh, he, you know, he dove on that. It is, that's, that's not fair and blah, blah, blah. But he benefited a little bit from going after Hathaway. That dude is tough as nails. If he went after somebody else who wasn't as tough as him, who wasn't going to play through, you know, I, I have to imagine that he is in pain today. You know, he was probably in pain when it happened, obviously. But like today, he's probably pretty sore and pretty bummed out about how that feels. But if it's somebody else who can't take that kind of, abuse on the ice i think that maybe he does get a suspension because maybe they do they don't come back into that game so i don't know i happen to think he lost you know you're gonna you go after a guy like hathaway i'm sure you heard him but i'm surprised hathaway didn't just get up and try and shove him right back he must have been that hurt right no you're right in any case hathaway comes back and plays the rest of the game you're the only one that a minor is given to and the Bruins then score on that ensuing power play. So as far as game results actually go, I kind of think Kachuk's the loser there. Which is a miracle, by the way. Our power play is finally starting to come alive, but it has been so rough. 
You know, as far as X's and O's go on the power play, there's two different things that I think has made a big difference, mainly in this series against Florida. One is scoring on the rush and being able to take advantage of a good counterattack. I believe that's how JDB's power play goal was scored, that kind of tic-tac goal, coming in on the rush with Hall to Orlov back in front to DeBrusque in front. So yep. being able to score off the rush, not just power play, but five on five definitely helps. But also, they, they're kind of taking a page out of Florida's playbook. Florida loves to get the puck in deep, work the puck, then back up high to their defensemen, and then crowd the middle of the ice and either let chaos reign or hope that there's a screen enough that one of their defenseman's shots gets in. And that's how Burtz was scored. Puck gets worked down low, comes back high to Carlo. Bertuzzi's kind of sliding his way into the middle of the ice and happens to be able to deflect that shot. So what a, what a tip. obviously it hurts having an anemic power play coming into the playoffs, but they're starting to find ways to make it happen. Yep. Uh, also, nice turnaround for them, uh, specifically with the Tic Tac goal. Uh, cause <laughs> I don't know which broadcast you guys were watching, but out here we get stuck with national and then they pointed out how Hall had just launched the puck at DeBrusque like a couple minutes before that and hit him right in the face. Oh yeah. So they went from that right to right into that just unbelievably tech uh, textbook tech tackle. DeBrusque said after the game, it definitely woke him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, we were a little bit concerned uh, watching the broadcast that like it was worse than we had thought it Maybe couldn't it, have been fun. Yeah, no, 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 for sure at all. Yeah, and then just to quickly circle back to the Hathaway thing, I it's funny because you guys are both saying the same thing in the sense that it's just like we we just Hathaway has this lens over him, so it's like, oh wow, like that caused him to not be able to stand up and shove him back. But like we, it's just so awesome to be able to plug a guy like that in where it's just like you already expect him you expect the toughness out of him. And like, I think if he had got knocked out, we'd be really like, Oh, something's wrong. Yeah. Imagine the difference in this Garnet Hathaway playing this year. And in 2019, having that be a guy like Anders Bjork. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like the, the, I think we've been saying this, Tim and I have probably said this a million times. Every time we talk about playoffs, but We've always been missing that toughness. As in, I mean, obviously, 2011 was was a different story. 2013, different story. But since then, we haven't really had the toughness. Yes, in the past, we've had guys like Achari, who is who is great, tough on the puck, tough to play against, stuff like that. But we haven't had real tough players. Like we're we have a monster. It, in I felt board. like our fourth line was more geared towards speed sure. than it was towards like grinding. Exactly, speed and defense. You know. I yeah. look back at 2019, you bring up Nolachari. It was um, Joachim Nordstrom and Sean Corrali on that fourth line yes. with him. And right. definitely much more geared towards protecting the puck, not getting themselves into too much trouble, rather than we're going to aggravate the crap out of you guys. And then all of a sudden, David Posternock's on the ice, and you're, you're looking the other way, and he's already behind you. Right. I think that's the beauty of this team is, like, our fourth line is a problem. You have Nosek, who's winning – insane amounts of faceoffs. He is he is the the king of faceoff wins in this series so far. Um and then you have Felino and, and Hathaway. I mean like that fourth line is a problem. When you're rolling out lines like 1 through 3 that we have and then when they're like cool, we get a break with the fourth line, you know. Uh you you don't get a break. 
You know, this team... Nosek actually leads the NHL in uh, face-off win percentage over the course of the playoffs, by the way. You say face-off wow. king of the series been a for the league. Yeah. Every time Gotta he's shout out there, uh, Swayman's save percentage, too. One for one. hundred <laughs> percent. That's league leading, man. Yeah. Oh, man. That's amazing. Also, just the the plug and play and just the, the talk about the fourth line and we talk about how we've been lacking Krejci and Bergeron and it's just that's the other thing me and Andrew talk about all the time is just back to Sweeney the depth like n- there's no call up that's like oh okay yeah I guess we're gonna watch this guy play that's terrifying it's just like every version of this and then not to mention every injury return seeming like you know those guys. I don't even see like that much of a step lost or even a half step lost. It yeah. feels like they took the time to heal properly. Shout out to Felino getting on the board. It just always seems like he's in the mix. Taylor Hall doesn't look like he missed a step. I, it's just this team is so deep. It's just so deep. Speaking of deep, let's not forget about the defense either. Yeah. Having seven, seven quality yes. NHL yeah. defensemen, Absolutely. not just six. Not nope. what I feel like we've had a lot of years is five and then yes. an unready Jakob's Borrell or an Erhel Vakaninen who has to step in. Having right. seven guys who can rotate in and out of that lineup. A, the rest it gave everybody down the stretch. But B, the ability to go after game two, you know, I'm not loving the way our defense is playing, to swap Clifton for Grizzlick and to be able to make them feel effective again, it's so impressive. Well, and that's the best part, too, because if for some reason someone's having a bad time or or get, does get injured, Clifton is chomping at the bit to get back in there. So you get him in there and he's a few days rested or a week rested or whatever it is. I mean, you're going to get his best game, hopefully, out of whatever he is when he comes back. So, And then you said the couple guys that we have waiting in the wings should that get to that point. I, I would also throw Mike Riley in there as well. I mean, I think that he is definitely a serviceable defenseman. He's played in the NHL plenty, and I wouldn't be upset if we had to call him up for whatever reason. You know, like their their depth is, my guess is unmatched right now. You know, I don't know. What's of so funny team. is the expectation of Mike Riley this season that he right. was expected to be a top four contributor, let yep. alone on the NHL yeah. roster in the first place. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, that was a that was a strange scenario i mean obviously i think that they wanted to give him the opportunity to go somewhere else by putting him on waivers and and all that but nobody else saw him as a viable option and i guess it again it kind of helps us because if for some reason we ever got to that point he's an nhl defenseman in my eyes too he's proved that in the past so him as a bottom pairing for some reason to get into the lineup is i I wouldn't be upset with that so that only would come if injuries happen. So let's knock on wood, everybody. Everybody hit some wood and, you know, hope we don't see my cry. Yeah, exactly. But st- but still, that kind of, it kind of surprises me, though. That game against Philadelphia where they called up the whole Book of Providence and then some because they had clinched the President's Trophy and didn't really want to risk anything else. I'm surprised Riley didn't get the call. It was a guy like Connor Carrick who got the call instead. Or Wagner. You know, exactly. That that's the thing that kind of bothers me is that I'm a big fan of Chris Wagner. I understand that he's a fourth line guy, and it is what it is. But I still think that he could be a, a an NHL player. Um, on a on there's plenty of bad teams in this league, and I don't mean to put him down like that. That's not what I'm saying. But there are definitely teams that could use his services. Um, 
and I and I you know I love him on Providence in that if he gets a chance to come back up that'd be great. But you know it would be nice for him to sort of get that shot to be in the NHL again before his career is over because I know he's kind of getting up there in age. He's I don't think he's old yet, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I mean. But that, but that speaks to the depth that the Bruins have kind of at that fourth-line position. Yep. Look at the breakout of a guy like Jacob Lauko, who in Game 3 played 6 minutes and 22 seconds of ice time, but still managed to get five hits. And, and he's been a spark plug the yeah. whole season. Yeah, that kid is a stud. I think you're going to see him for, for a while, and I hope that we do because he's fun to watch. He's fast. He likes to hit. He's in the mix all the time. When he's out there, he's trying to prove that he's worth it. Um so he's going to be an exciting player to watch down the stretch, like, you know, in years to come. Yeah, I love Wags, but I feel like he's, like, fifth man out. Uh, yeah. Not even four. Like, maybe sixth on that fourth line. Yeah. Yeah, because he's still got Greer. Oscar Steen's the next man up. He's the guy who got the emergency recall right. um, for game yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I say this to you every week, Tim, but this is the best possible problem to have. To have this Again. much depth. To have these guys that can slot in that are actually good is the best-case scenario. Because I know that there's going to be some guys banged up after this series. I mean, you see how much Florida is going after us and what they're trying to do to win any of these games. But I don't think it's going to work. I'm hoping that we can close out the series this week, um, rest up some guys a little bit. I don't know when this, the next series would start, should we make it that far. But, um, you know. It's it's a fun time right now. It's 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 great to be where we're at. I would have felt a lot more nervous going in, you know, waiting until Wednesday if we were tied two to two. But you know, being up three one, coming back home, I feel pretty confident. Yeah, Jake uh, mentioned earlier, you know, some of the standouts from guys who are you know on the roster but sort of waiting in the wings, like your Charlie Coils and whatnot, and it just like. There's still room for like I there's still room for a crazy David Posternock game. Like we haven't had that and like not that we need it or anything, but it's just I, I hope we're full speed ahead. And obviously that's a stupid thing to even say, but it's just let's let's end it in five. I don't I don't we don't I don't want to mess around. It's this is already getting chippy enough and uh the faster we can extinguish this and get ready for and lick our wounds until the next round, the better. Yeah. Absolutely. We talked about it pretty early on in the podcast. That's what I think the re-addition of Patrice Bergeron in the lineup is going to let Pasternak do. It's going to let him cook. You know, yeah, Pasternak right. is enemy number one for everybody right now because he can just burn you at a moment's notice. So, of course, he's going to get the Aaron Ekblad treatment right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you get Bergeron back, you can reshuffle those lines again. You put Pasternak on that second line again. And so you get second, maybe even third line opponents against you. And that will help him cook a little more. It's the Taylor Hall equation. Taylor Hall is basically a third-line left winger at this point, and he's been incredible in those these last couple of games. Yeah, that's the beauty of how deep the team is. Is that you you see that Pasta's not scoring on the power play very often because they aren't able to get the puck to him because teams have finally picked up, much like the Ovechkin situation, that you can't just leave him open over there. He is going to burn you, whether it's the first shot or five shots later, eventually he's going to get you. So the fact that he's being double covered or whatever it may be, it allows these other guys to to step up and get in the spot to be ready for a shot or to, to clean up the goal and or clean up the puck in front of the net. And 
it's why we're having so much depth scoring, which is exactly what we need. And I, I don't know, man. I every single time I think about it, I'm like, this is, you know, we couldn't be in a better situation as far as that goes. But the two X's and O's things about Pasternak on the power play that I think he's learned in this stead too is how to not always take that one timer. I watch a little bit of Artemi Panarin, and he's got this weird kind of shuffle shot that he uses to change his angle and shoot short side. Pasternak does a similar thing where he'll take the puck, do a little 10 and 2, maybe three or four feet to his right, just change his angle a little bit, and then get that shot off. And that's how he's scoring goals nowadays. Yeah. But also earlier in the season, it's how important that net front presence is, whether it's Jake DeBrusque, Pavel Zaka, Tyler Bertuzzi, being able to take that one-timer more as a shot pass and look for the deflection rather than the top corner. Yeah, Pasta still working that out a bit. As me and Andrew were watching a game and commented on how he did about like four or five of those shuffles and then just ended up dumping the puck, even though he was first in the zone. Yeah, It's, it's interesting. It, I, it'll be nice if he can get that way down. It's 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 very fun to watch. Man, can you can you guys imagine that if you know I, I I'm just gonna compare him to guys that I know he's looked up to or guys that I know that he's learned from, but could you imagine if he had the ability to pass like David Krejci in whether or not you want to say now or in his prime, or or even a guy like Yager where it's like they're not a one dimensional just a fifty goal score. Uh, Krejci never scored fifty goals, but you know not a one dimensional player as far as that goes. If he could get that passing down or if he can just get his turnovers even cut in half or even less than that, I mean, this the fact to, to think that this player and David Pasternak can get better is scary for the league. And they should be scared. I mean, this guy is going to compete with McDavid every year. It's been it a long like. time coming, too. You know, 2018 19, he um, got really close to that 50 goal threshold. 2019 20, he was going to get there. Yep. And then COVID happened. And then the COVID shortened season obviously hampers things because you have less games to play. So frankly, this 50-goal, let alone 60-goal season has been a long time coming for Pasternak. And this just continues to cement him probably being one of the best draft picks the Bruins have made in the last 25 years. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. And I think that he's just, he's not even at the prime of his career yet, I don't think. I think he's almost there, but I think that he could still be better, which is crazy to think about, but I think that there is still room for him to be. There's absolutely room for him to improve his turnover game and things like that, but I even think that he he just keeps up with the goals. I think we got to stamp that as one of your hotter takes. <laughs> that I don't to, think he's to, in his prime. To declare, to declare that 61-goal David Pasternak is not yet in his prime. That's, hey, that, I hope you're right. Man, that's me saying that. I think that he can even that he can be better. I think he's got another gear too, but I think his prime is now underway. Okay. <laughs> Officially. All right. Not to nip. Let's see if he if he tops his 60 goals this year, 61. I I think that I I'm right. <laughs> this year was still not a part of his prime. No, no, no. Next year I'm going like, no, you could score 75. <laughs> oh my All god. Right. No, no. I he, dude <laughs> David Pasternak so glad that he's locked up. I'm glad that he's going to oh, be here yeah, for a long yeah. time. There, that's not a guy that you could just let go. I mean, he is a personality and a and a superstar on the ice. Uh, he's you're probably going to see him in the in the All Star game for the next ten years. 
shame on us for not bringing up that contract when we were talking about Don Sweeney, general manager of the year. True. I'm sitting here looking at another one of our Boston teams in the Red Sox who have had the worst oh, experience in trying to keep their superstars. No bets, no Bogarts. I think we would have tarred and feathered Hyam Bloom like it was the Boston Tea Party days if he didn't get Devers signed. <laughs> yeah. So to avoid all the drama with Don Sweeney and get David Posternock signed and avoid all that drama, that I think, I don't know if it's appreciated by the rest of the league, but it's definitely appreciated by us Boston sports fans that he didn't put us through Howard back to get that done. Absolutely. I mean, my favorite. I, mean, I was starting the, to feel all a little the GMs nervous. The garden are the best. Yeah. <laughs> I was feeling a little bit nervous. We we had we had uh, checked in on my nervousness level plenty of times prior to the contract being signed, but I'm so happy that it's done, and you know he's going to be here for a long time. But I think what's impre- I think what is impressive from the league side of things is the AAV that he got him for, and. You know, I was really scared it was going to be something closer to like a Connor McDavid or an Artemi Panay or an Austin Matthews, guys who make north of $11.5 million a year. Yep. So I don't know if I'd necessarily call it team-friendly. He's still on a superstar's contract. But to do it for not what he probably could have earned on the open market sure. is so impressive. Yeah, and I think that we said this prior you know, to this conversation right now, but he that contract is going to look great when McDavid gets his next contract because it's going to be, you know, if he, if he keeps up the pace of even let's just say 50 plus goals per year. Now he doesn't have to be in the 60 range. I think that he's still going to be almost at a discount when you look at the contracts that are going to be given out over the next five years or over the next eight years that he's going to be under contract for. Absolutely. You know, and with the way the cap, Probably not this offseason, but next offseason is going to start to balloon. And now I'm shaving a little bit because the Pasternak AAV is 11 and a quarter. But, you know, the cap, the way it's going to balloon over the next couple of years, it's definitely going to be like a discount of a deal from what it could have been. Sure. Both for him and for McDavid. Absolutely. That's where the longevity really comes into play as it being yet another credit to Mr. Don Sweeney. All right. He's gotten enough from us in this episode. All right. <laughs> well, hey, but hey, you, as you mentioned, he might not get GM of the year. So I feel like we had to. Yeah, true. This was his GM of the year. Yeah, this is us like pleading to the league, like asking asking yeah. them for for help here to give it to him. But all right, yeah. let's let me ask you guys. Let me start with you, Tim. You think this series ends this week uh, at home? You think this ends in Game Five or what? Yeah, I do, uh, and I think that's a ball is in our own court kind of situation uh, i think it's up to us to stomp it out um you know we've seen florida can put goals in the net they, they've done it in this series but and you know they've been able to shut down Pasternak. but yeah you, you know J- jake pointed out i think the big difference maker and that's why it's us to lose it's just we're gonna we're gonna be back to the top of the top playing probably here and uh i think that team should uh, very easily handle this Panthers team as they did all year. And, and I think both Wednesday and Thursday are going to be very fun for fans at TD garden, especially Wednesday. You know, the last time the Bruins played 
um, at TD Garden in game two, they got the lights kicked out of them in that third period. Yep. They yep. don't want to embarrass their fans again like that. They didn't really do that all season long, and I think that they've got the resilience to come back and say, you know what, let's just put it to bed. So my last question before before we wrap this up for you, Jake, is do you think that they go with Jeremy Swayman in this next game? Which also kind of leads me to, do you think that Linus Olmark is injured at all? Because he's been looking a little bit... Uh, he I, Trust me, he looked great in the last game, don't get me wrong, but he looked like he was a little sore or a little slow to get up in, at times. You think with us having a lead in the series like this, they put in Jeremy Swayman and see what happens? Well, when you have to leap to your left and make a save with your helmet, you're not playing <laughs> necessarily the most fundamental hockey, which may lead to believe that he's injured. Yeah. You know, I could see them going Swayman just for the breather. Yeah. But if, they, if they're really that confident that they're going to wrap it up and have a little bit of time to rest, then I don't see why you don't run the high end and go with all mark here. Sure. Even playing injured, he's been playing out of his mind. And he's one of those guys that seems to be uber competitive as much as he and Swayman have the best bromance in the league. I think he wants the net really badly. I love that Jim Montgomery basically leaves it up to Bob Asenza. He says, you know, the guys are on the ice right now and whatever goalie Bob tells me, I'll kind of do. So I think being in tune with his goaltending tandem is such a great part of what he does and that he's so kind of hands off about it. But whatever decision they make, I think it's going to pay off for them. He's the best, man. And just one other one other Vegas award. If he doesn't win Coach of the Year, it's rigged. Absolutely rigged. Oh, I think Montgomery's Coach of the Year, Allmark's Vezina, Bergie's got the Selkie, for sure. Oh, just to cap off this historic year, if they, if they all win those awards as they should, I mean, hopefully we can win that one last big award at the end of this season, but... You know, it's been such a fun year. Uh, it's super fun to to follow along the whole time, go to a bunch of games, uh, home and away. You know, it, it, we've been having a blast. And also want to thank you again for coming on here, talk Bruins with us, um, give us your insight on what's going on, and, uh, you know, we appreciate it. Absolutely, you know. Just like the guys have said in the locker room all year, it's been super, super fun to watch as their marketing has been really good at projecting. It's something special, but as these guys profess, there's only one goal in mind, and it's the cops. So we'll just take it one game at a time and enjoy the ride however long it lasts. Absolutely. Tim, any any final thoughts on the Bruins? Um, No, man. I, I'm ready for these games to continue. Let's keep going. Let's go. Well, I think... As much as I don't like to admit it, I think we've talked enough Bruins this episode. So I think that it's time to go to the parquet, which we have had equal amounts of success on in the first round here. Mm-hmm. We're looking for two gentlemen sweeps here, baby. What are we going to have? What's going on with the Celtics? What's going to happen in game five? Give me some Give me some updates. Give me some lowdown. Good spot to be in. No doubt about that. Yeah. Good spot to be in in both. Uh very happy with how the Celtics handled themselves in Boston. Um, this was the, the, you know, the we'll talk about, I guess let's talk about the loss, right? Uh, we saw some Grant Williams minutes. Just I know you were loving that. that. We, we were eating that up. Just wanted to mention that since we hadn't in the other two games. <laughs> um, and then uh, I just, 
they shot they had the same first half or or something that we had in the first game and they shot the lights out and they have the they have guys who can do that you know um Trey Young can be a shooter DeJounte Murray is DeJounte Murray is a better shooter than Trey Young more consistent in my opinion threes twos whatever um they shot 63% as a team in the first half it's just not going to happen all the time. I didn't love our defense, but I didn't hate it. And they just weren't missing. And, like, DeJounte Murray was just doing turnaround jumper fadeaways, like, around the elbow and, like, near the block and everything, and everything was going down. It was, in- it was incredible. I don't think they get another game like that. They're not going to have DeJounte Murray in the next game. I don't know if you've heard this. What what uh, What did I miss? I think uh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if I don't know what the suspension was or the fine or whatever he ended up getting. It is a suspension for Ooh. run. He goes, he bumps into the referee and says something to him, as to, as like the buzzer sounds yeah. in the game. But the video that's going around of it is like from the crowd, not from the broadcast. And it wasn't something um, nice that he said to him. There was no way that that. The way he bumped him and the way that he was going at him, there's no way that was a nice thing. He didn't give that wasn't a kiss on the cheek he gave him. That was a <laughs> yeah. headbutt, and uh, that it was probably a mean word or something. I it, I can't even can't imagine he got a lot of words out. So one game, quick. that's it. Yeah, it might be the last game of the season. So sure, I understand that, but uh, and uh, we always talk about how playoff games are basically considered more than a regular, you know. One playoff game does not equal one regular season game. You know, like that's like getting suspended for three regular season games because of how important every game, especially when you're down three to one is. But I don't know. I just think that it's a that's a bad thing. That's a bad uh, thing to let somebody get away. I, I guess he got suspended. He didn't get away with it. But I would have thought more. It's yeah, it was I, on purpose. I, yeah. It was blatant. It wasn't like an accidental, you know, so. Yeah, I guess everyone. I guess it was weird because it was like, "Is he going to get suspended?" And it's like, "Yeah, he has to." Yeah, but n- multiple games never dawned on me, and I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we've seen a lot less, not go worse, but seem to like be punished more intensely. Sure, specific, specifically with contact with the officials, uh, as it should be, especially in the case of Grant. Yeah, I mean that's a slippery slope. If you allow that to uh, to to happen, this is yeah, this was more egregious than that. Right, I agree, by far. Um, 100%. So you did see the video? I saw the video, but that's why I said I didn't see what had happened afterwards. Like, did he get suspended? Did he get fined? So that's just came out not long ago. Yeah, not yeah. surprising. Which at I all. thought was weird. Uh, no, I, I thought, but I thought we'd wake up to that. It yeah, feels like it came out late, especially for the East Coast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not a cool move at all. A uh, pretty terrible move, and uh, the Celtics should be able to take care of business. Uh, yeah, know, I mean, let's tomorrow. let's be honest here today, as you're listening. Let's be honest. They they lost Game Three, but the this series could be over. You know, they they had all, they had the opportunity yeah. to win that game. I know, and 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 Atlanta shot out of their mind, and I just don't. Yeah, I don't think those two things are going to go wrong again. Yeah. So, are you feeling confident with the way that everybody is playing so far? Of course, up up three one is is great, but 
Um, what's your take on Robert Williams? What's your take on the lineups? Like, is everything been sort of what you expected or how you've been hoping that it would go? Robert Williams is the difference maker. Yeah. Um, he is a matter of winning the championship or not. We've been saying that uh, all se- all season and all series of you yeah. Know. To the point where I I've I don't I think I've said it on this podcast, but just let's have him let's have him just play, you know, um, thirty games a year max anyway. I get, dude, I get that, but at the same time, how do you justify the contract? With with championship rings, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair enough. So it's still up, so it's still up in the air, but he's gotten us close so far. It's so, true. Yeah, that's how I justify it. It's true. That's I do. We can get there. Fine. We're the two seed. So with him only playing thirty games. So let me ask. I know you it's this. ridiculous, but like he is such a difference maker. A double double off the bench is that good? I think he so. looks amazing. Well, let me ask you this question, though, because it's similar. It's a similar question that we just had talking about the Bruins with Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. Being up 3-1 in this series, do you sit him in the next game, or do you put him in there to close it out? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know the history. I think he's active, but, you know. Very limited. There, there's there's such things as, as not playing him as much if you don't need him, you know? Sure. He's already coming off the bench. I, I I don't see why he doesn't need to be in the mix. Okay. Um, you but, know they're they're weaker in their front court. They're not weaker uh, in the rim. And we got to stay. I mean, it's a it's it's Luke Cornett or or a lot more Grant Williams minutes, or maybe in some Blake Griffin minutes. Like that's who we're talking about without. Robert and I just I don't. This team full strength has already been getting beat on offensive rebounds in in situations in this series. You know it's not costing us games, but it's a problem I'm seeing. So no, I mean he looks great. He looks healthy. I just I think if he's good to go, I don't think you can be that level of precautionary. Okay. If he's if he if he still needs healing, sure, sit him. I, but I don't think he's not starting. I, I to me, he's not starting from a strategy standpoint at this at this juncture. But and I don't I, I don't that know that smart. for a fact. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But the staggering is is what this team needs, and when they're both out there, it's just like it's, it's just not working right now. It just it doesn't it doesn't work as well against this team. I feel like. Yeah. It feels redundant, and I just think you know. Like if you if you eliminate Robert, it's not a plug and play with any one of those other guys I mentioned. It's like kind of all of them getting a part of that. And that's just a little messy. I like I like small lineups in the playoffs. You know, everyone does. So if we can keep our best up there, and again, he's just like he's feeling good and healthy and ready to go. I don't think there's any need to be precautionary. And if we're dominating them, then yeah, I don't get Robert Williams out of the game. Yeah. So I don't want to see Robert Williams in in any basketball game where the Celtics are up 20 plus. I think and I'm not saying that and I'm not saying that you have to empty the bench, but I'm just saying get Robert Williams out of the game. I think every everyone can agree with you there on every Celtics yeah. fan should should agree with you on that one, but 
Um, But there's been situations that have led us to this point. Sure. So let me ask you this one. You know, and I'm not necessarily saying that's Missoula, but yeah. Yeah. Did your heart drop when Marcus Smart had that fall? Yeah, of course. Because Marcus is he's a tough tough, guy, but he's he's not he's not unbreakable. We've we've seen. We've lost Marcus a lot. It's usually legs, but oh man, yeah, no, of course, hated that. Yeah, that one was a little scary. I mean, it wasn't just that he went down. I mean, his entire body weight went down on his back. I don't care how tough you yeah. are, that one hurts. That's what happened to Giannis, and now he's back tonight. But he just missed two games, and the Heat are up two one. Yeah. So how do you that's think a, that series is going to go? I think with Giannis back, it's kind of over. Uh, Miami continues to lose guys. They Tyler Hero broke his game, broke his hand in game one or two. Uh, Oladipo's knee blew out last game. He's done for at least six months. Um, it's just they, they're a, they're a weirdly bad team that snuck in, and they're an annoying team that's a problem. And we've said time and time again, we're happy we didn't draw them. And this is exactly why. You know, they can still make noise without Tyler Hero and Oladipo. And I know Oladipo was never the number two overall pick that he panned out to be, certainly not in Miami, but it's still a depth guy, you know? Like, you're still losing your eighth or ninth guy. and Or, you know, I don't even maybe he was Maybe he was seventh. That's that's a big loss. It's a big I'm, loss in the playoffs. I'm sort of begging for an upset here. I mean, could yeah, you same. imagine? I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's amazing. But, you know, we'll see. I, I But with Giannis back, I fully, I fully expect the Bucks to just do it you know he game four currently in progress Bucks only up four uh like heading towards midway through the second but um I mean it's you know it's already up to 11 four and four I, I just think it's about to be hero mode we'll see they gotta they gotta win I, they have to win tonight to have any chance to me the the heat if, if the the heat yeah if this yeah, goes yeah. if this goes to Two two, it's just the Bucks. the The Bucks probably win the next two. They probably the Bucks probably go three straight. Yeah, like and and close it in Miami. Yeah. Um, funny funny thing. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the comments made? I don't remember exactly who said it on the Celtics. I mean, this is this is a great way to start off a story here. Yeah. Did you see the thing that I don't remember? Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah. somebody had said that they were looking for Jalen Brown and they were like, I couldn't, we couldn't find him because he took his mask off. They were like looking around for him and they didn't recognize. I mean, obviously they know what he looks like. That's stupid. But they were like, we didn't see him right away because we were looking for him with the mask on. <laughs> Cause he just kind of <laughs> took it off mid game. Yeah. Turn drop 31 points. J J and J 31 apiece. Is that good? Yeah, that, that is good. But, I mean, why why mid game? Did you see Missoula's? Con- I mean, man, I don't know. I feel like he hasn't needed to wear it for quite a while. Sure, I'm sure it's been annoying. I, I don't know. I think he. I think there was a time that he kind of liked it, and maybe he's not happy with his performance because he's been fine in the playoffs. He was really hot down the stretch with the mask. Man, I don't that, know. That, maybe he got sick of it. That, or maybe he is supposed to still be wearing it, and I don't know anything about or- orbital fractures. <laughs> but again, we're not experts. We're certainly not doctors. Come on. I don't know. You're a pretty big expert on meniscus tears. Yeah, just because I tore my MCL partially. You you were doing the same thing as as Robert Williams, though, right? Lime scootering. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, he was he was like playing Lime basketball, and, like making millions oh, of dollars. And that's right. You were that's not what you were doing. I th- uh, no, I was not that, that day. Up. I always think he was lime scootering. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the Celtics. I will say the the, but I still have all of my meniscus, and that 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 he can't say. God, that's that's, that's true. So that means that you're more you're more of a man than he is. Is that what you're saying? I'm more of a meniscus, <laughs> for sure. Nice. That uh, uh. <laughs> going back to the mask thing real quick. I will. Oh, did that... you see what Missoula said about what? Uh, when he was asked about what he what he saw when Jalen Brown removed his mask. No, he goes. I saw his face. Yeah. No, you think. <laughs> He's like Popoviching everyone. It's it's like all right. He does He's just like short answer Joe. Dude, I can't tell if he's a major troll or if he is just that. Like he just is that way. He's either a troll or the weirdest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and either way, the players love him. So I don't know. I'm I'm fine with it. That photo uh, of uh, Jalen Brown dunking in the All Star game with the mask, so sick. Yeah, that every, one is. I mean, for every photo of Jalen Brown in the mask. <laughs> that's true. Game. That's true. Any player in a mask is usually pretty sick. Um, I saw. I saw a front of. I saw fan art where it was. Uh, I meant to post it on our page where it was. Uh, it was them as outcasts. Oh man. And like it was like. Uh, Jalen as, Andre like, the cover <laughs> with like the black and white American flag. Yeah. And Jalen is Andre, like with his hands forward, and like it was like a photo of Jalen, like scre- when he was screaming with the mask on. It was just, it was fantastic. That's awesome. And they like slapped it. They slapped the bandaid on on Tatum, but he had like big boys, big hair. It was great. Love it. Shout out to whoever that guy is. <laughs> nice. We're really killing it tonight. Uh, yeah. You know, there's cool thing things we saw, but we don't exactly the... remember. It. Um, speaking of coaches. There is an ex-Celtics coach who just got a new job today. There is, but I think there's... Uh, speaking of coaches, it makes me think of awards. We were talking about the GMs earlier. There's an award we got to shout out. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. It's a pretty, pretty big award. And what uh, might that be? Sixth man of the year. Malcolm Brogdon. Absolutely deserving, by the way. Is that good? Yeah. Quickly started too much. I, I hated the conversations. I'm sorry. Quickly started a lot of games, and a lot of the stats came from that. It's just like Brogdon started a couple games. Usually Derek White got that, If even if we were injured. He was sixth man of the year. He's, he like I said, absolutely deserving. He's been great so far. Um, obviously, the Celtics have been great so far in the, in the playoffs, so. I just hope that they can close it out. I would love to see both Boston teams uh, finish in five games, get some rest, and you know wait for the next opponent. I I know that we've spoken about this, and I don't know what your thoughts are right now specifically. But should both of these teams close out in five, is it too much time off, or is it just enough? Um, We're talking like probably five days at least. So with the Celtics, it's the same amount of time off as the Sixers. It'll actually be less because uh, the Sixers have already wrapped up. 
Um, so I'm yeah, I'm good with it. I don't want to go back to Atlanta. It's also it's also one less flight. Oh yeah. yeah. Also, did, does Philly not understand? Like, do they not get it yet? No. The chanting, we want Boston. Yeah. No, no. No. What are we doing? No, they do. Shout out to Embiid for who fell down so much he injured himself in a very serious way. Uh, absolute moron. Um, it's pretty just, sick because if we if we win this series, which is looking like we're gonna, you're gonna get it, and then you're not gonna want it. No, get it. Take it again and again and again. <laughs> I want to go through them. I want and I didn't get I, I didn't get to chime in earlier. I want to go through Toronto or Tampa. I'll take either. Yeah. I want them. I'm hungry for a scarier series. <laughs> hey, you got to beat every team in order to make it. You know, you got to you got to be the best team left standing. And I think that's what both of these teams are absolutely capable of doing this year. And that's the main goal. And the Celtics are well on their way. They look angry. They look mad. The Bruins are doing the same thing. Um, I, I think that the extra time right now is only beneficial to both teams. I know sometimes it's not, but right now I feel pretty good about, you know, the situations that they're in. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm hyped. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, very fortunate playoff so far. Uh, let's get everyone back across the board. Keep the foot on the foot on the old gas pedal, baby. Absolutely. Uh, but shout out to just all of the playoffs all around. This is the first year I I remember them starting at the same time, like pretty much exactly. Yeah, it's and it's cool. really fun. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like TNT and ESPN trading off every other night. What you got? Uh, Kings Oilers series has been incredible. Sunday was really fun because it was like you watched the Bruins and then you got to watch the Celtics. And if you wanted to watch the Red Sox before that, you could do that too. But it was it, they they weren't on at the same exact time, so you could kind of have a a Boston sports day if you wanted, you know. Yeah, and LA is crazy too. LA's got two teams and a hockey team going right now. You must For be, now, you mu- yeah, he must be psyched right now. Yeah, I'm not going. Right, I was gonna right. go. I was gonna go see the Clippers. It's just I don't know. Shout out to Russell Westbrook, man. I'm not shouting him. That's all I got. Why? I don't know. I just don't feel like I, it. It's like he's the Guy Fieri of the NBA. No, he's like, not, do- dude. <laughs> don't you dare! Don't you dare! As a fan of both, as a fan of both, as, that's all it is. Whatever. All right. Underrated, unnecessarily, unnecessary hate. He's just not as good as he was. Old age happens. I'm not saying that's Guy Fieri. (laughs) Yeah, you you better watch your mouth. Don't you dare. Just saying in terms of unnecessary hate. I just feel like Russell Westbrook needs some credit given to him. We'll see about that. You can can not shout him out, but you got to give him credit. I don't have to do anything, especially when you you compare him to the god that is Guy Fieri. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. I'm going to say go bees. I'm going to say go season. I'm going to say go Guy Fieri.